0: Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy Podcast. The state of South Carolina is the first in the nation to offer families access to programs across the state's early childhood system through a single web portal. Called First 5 South Carolina, the site increases connections to government services for children ages zero to five, reducing administrative burdens on families and creating cost savings for government. The group behind the development of the portal not only succeeded in helping the families of South Carolina, they are now offering no-cost technical support to states and municipalities to replicate this model nationwide. The visionary behind this movement is our guest this week, South Carolina First Steps Executive Director, Georgia Miartin. Welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT. I'm Michael McNutt, Weedy's Director of Education and Events. For nearly 30 years, Weedy has been the preeminent National Membership Association, for health IT guidance and collaboration. Recognized and trusted as a formal advisor to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, WEDI is the leading authority on the use of health IT to effectively improve health information exchange, enhance care quality, and reduce costs. For information on our member benefits and educational offerings, visit our website, WEDI.org. Today's guest is a graduate of the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government Senior Executives in State and Local Government Program. She is one of twelve Americans awarded the George Mitchell Scholarship for Graduate Study on the island of Ireland. As a Mitchell scholar, she completed a Master's of Science in Public Affairs and Political Communications at the University of Ulster. Georgia holds undergraduate degrees in English and Political Science from the University of Arkansas in Little Rock. It's my pleasure to introduce South Carolina First Steps Executive Director, Georgia Miartin. Georgia, welcome to the podcast.
1: Michael, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Your background is extensive, impressive, and a mouthful. I've only done like half of it, (laughs) so I am incredibly honored to have you join us. Uh, Let's talk origin story. Uh, What were your motivations, inspirations, aspirations that brought you to spearhead all this fabulous work in the community, and how did this culminate in First Five South Carolina?
1: Michael, for over a decade, I worked in a large scale nonprofit organization whose mission and mandate was to transform the lives of homeless families and their children. And while I was there, what I saw was that all of these public programs that were built to provide support and relief and a transition out of poverty for homeless children in many cases these programs weren't working there was a disconnect and and i want to you know put a put a point on this which is that many federal state and locally funded programs actually have uh, a category called presumptive eligibility which just means you know you're homeless we presume you're eligible you don't have to fill out all this extra paperwork you're homeless this is a program for you and i was working with this nonprofit and finding that the families we were serving we're not able to connect in with these really needed programs and services, basic food and nutrition, child care assistance. And, and, and while I watched families struggle and used private philanthropic resources to help them, I started thinking like, this is more than just providing resources. I need to do more to fix the system as a whole. So I had the opportunity to work closely. I was in Arkansas at that time had the opportunity to work closely with our lieutenant governor at that time to think about ways that government could provide solutions. Well, Michael, simultaneously, my husband and I decided that we wanted to become parents and we wanted to become parents through foster care and through adoption. And so by becoming foster parents, we ourselves suddenly were also navigating the complexities of a government system, right? Like who is a foster child? It's a child who is technically the responsibility of of the state, of the government. And while we were the parents, what we found in our own experience was that we were suddenly parenting a a tiny newborn premature baby girl who who had a lot of medical issues, who needed um, a special medical formula that we couldn't buy in the store. Um, And we found that we were having to sit in government waiting rooms ourselves, the same experience that our homeless clients were having we ourselves were now going through that journey. And while I might have an impressive uh, you know, educational background, that did not prepare me for trying to figure out the intricacies of which program was going to pay for the first two weeks of my tiny newborn baby daughter's special medical food and medical formula and which other government program was going to pay for the other two weeks. And again, you know, we have the resources, we have the education, we would have easily walked into the store and bought those resources if we could, but that just wasn't how it worked. So we had to engage with this public system. So fast forward, we moved to South Carolina and I'm looking at opportunities where I can do more, not as an outsider, sort of not, um, You know, as a community-based provider, but really as an insider within government, I wanted to use those experiences, both my own experiences and also those that I saw so firsthand for over a decade working with families to really transform the way that government worked. And that brought me to the seat of South Carolina First Ups and its Early Childhood Advisory Council. And it was from that seat that I was able to, to do some of the work I think we're going to talk about today.
0: Definitely. And it's, it's always interesting how perspectives and wearing these multiple hats that we do in life, You know, whether it's you know, a professional, an advocate, now a parent, you see these things through different lenses. It's all the same, but it's just from different angles. And you end up not only appreciating, but once you're in it, you have a better understanding of what it is and, and from your purpose, how to fix it. So that was very, very interesting, uh, fantastic story. So tell me about South Carolina First Steps. Uh, Walk me through how you're helping the families of South Carolina.
1: South Carolina First Steps is a public-private partnership. And what that means is that we leverage both philanthropic dollars and state resources to meet the needs of young children from zero to five, and we do that through a network of local community-based organizations. We call them our local partnerships who provide home visiting, parenting programs, health interventions in clinics, child care quality programs to make sure that the, the places where parents are are uh, entrusting their young children every day that they're the highest quality. And so by working together with the families of South Carolina who have young children, we are kind of walking alongside parents and walking alongside those caregivers, whether it's in a childcare setting, a a healthcare clinic, or or even in in a family's home, to make sure that on that first day of kindergarten, every young child is ready for school success. That's really our mission and our mandate. Last year, we served about... 55,000 children so we're a large scale program that's in the universe of 360,000 children birth to age five, and we really target the families who have children who would be most at risk for early school failure. We have some programs that are universally accessible. For example, a great program where we mail books to the homes of children birth to five, but but the really intensive investment is in those children with the greatest needs. We also offer pre-K four in private child care centers uh, and make sure that we are really wrapping families in the support that they want, need, and deserve.
0: That's incredible. Uh, Also, let's I'm going to put my imaginary hat on. I'm a new father. I've, I've been a father for quite some time, but I'm a new father in South Carolina. How does this all work? How do I find First 5 SC? And then once I'm there, what do I do?
1: So the programs I was just describing to you were programs that we have offered in South Carolina now for 24 years. And we are one organization within a network of different government entities that receive federal, state, or even local dollars, public funds, taxpayer dollars, if you will, to make a difference in the lives of young children. We call that our state's early childhood state system. Well, if you're that father with your young child You may or may not know about South Carolina First Steps and those programs that I've just mentioned. You may or may not know that there are multiple food and nutrition resources that are federally funded. One is called WIC and one is called SNAP. And in our state, those two different food and nutrition benefit programs live in two different state agencies. So one of the other roles of the organization that I'm that I'm leading is to serve as the state's early childhood advisory council and every state has one. So what that means is that we come together with the state's public health agency, with the Medicaid agency, with the developmental disabilities agency, with the Department of Education, Social Services, all these different public entities come together and say, how do we make this system work better for For you, the dad who has a young child who's trying to make sure you do everything in your power to make sure that that baby is healthy and safe and strong and cared for and ultimately one day start in school ready for success. How can we, the public system, do right by you? That's our job. And that's where we started the work of of First 5. So I look forward to kind of walking you through um, with that in mind, kind of how First 5 SC works.
0: I'm very excited. Please walk me through because I love the idea. We've talked about this on several different episodes, the collaborative effect and the collaborative nature of organizations coming together. We saw it a lot during the pandemic and now we're seeing it still continued through other organizations such as yours. So, yes, walk me through First 5 SC.
1: So you do a Google search, right? Like that's where we all turn uh, when it's time for us to find something. You go online and you put in as search terms, new dad, need help, Mm -hmm. newborn baby crying a lot, <laughs> or maybe you're looking for childcare, or, and that is, I, I say that kind of jokingly, because usually what the search term really is, is childcare or daycare, or I need help with food and nutrition. We've been seeing more of that more recently, um, or, you know, healthcare benefits um, and Medicaid uh, if, if the family's income eligible. And so you're searching and we have great search engine optimization that delivers this new technology innovation where every family who goes to the single portal called First 5SC finds a really simple eligibility screener that takes all of the data, all these different eligibility criteria from 44 different programs that live at 10 different agencies that are funded by federal, state, and local resources. It takes all of those different eligibility criteria and puts them into one simple screener, one simple eligibility screener. So I'm gonna complete this eligibility screener. You, the new dad, you're gonna complete this new eligibility screener and you'll fill it out and it will take you about three to five minutes. Um, you know, I think at this point, I've done it so many times, it takes me about 30 seconds, but mm-hmm. you know, for your first time, it might take you three minutes. So you complete it and it asks you some really basic questions. And then based on that, it's gonna to deliver to you your results that are customized, not only based on uh, your income or the situation of your family. For example, you know, was your child born um, very premature? Uh, You know, are you concerned about your child's development? Um, If you have a slightly older child, maybe your child has um, experienced some challenges in childcare and has been asked to leave a childcare. That's an experience that some families have. And based on the way that you answer these questions, it's gonna deliver to you Results. Now, you're also going to put in your home address and the age of your child because different programs are available in different parts of the state. So it's not only gonna say here's the program that you're eligible for, the multiple programs that you're eligible for, it's gonna provide you with a provider listing. So let's say that you are eligible for WIC, that's Women, Infants and Children Food Nutrition Program, let's say you're eligible for that and you're also eligible for a parenting program and you're also eligible for a very much needed child care scholarship so that you can return to work. You're going to not only see that you're eligible for those, but you're going to see every child care provider that accepts that scholarship. You're going to see where the health clinics are, where you can go and get that WIC food and nutrition resource. You're going to see exactly who you need to call is going to have the information on there if you want to go into the office and meet with a parent educator. But maybe you don't want to have to do all of that individually, and that's the experience of families. They don't want to have to run around to a lot of different government offices. I can tell you, for the homeless clients that I used to serve who didn't have vehicles, who didn't have excess time, they were just newly back at work. We had a, It was a program for working homeless people, so they were newly returned to work. They didn't have two and three hours to sit in a government waiting room applying for those programs. So the next part of this innovation is a common application. Imagine that you've now found out you're eligible for, for all of these needed resources. You realize that they're close to you. You can do a search uh, within a certain mile radius, whatever you want to put in. It can be your home address, your work address, whatever's most convenient for you. And then it takes you to the next screen where you can actually apply for the majority of these programs with one common uh, application. And when I say a common application, what I mean by that is it is progressive. So I'm going to fill out the basic information and then it's going to pre-populate that mm-hmm. child care scholarship application, which by the way, lives, you know, this is a tech podcast here, right? Like from a technology perspective, that application lives at a different agency and is on a different platform. And I can complete it as the parent. And it will pre-populate into the application for WIC, also another state agency, and it will pre-populate into my parenting application. So all of those programs that I want, I'm not having to re-enter the same information again and again, and it's going to all those agencies and they're receiving it in no different way than if I had applied directly.
0: That's fantastic because the last thing I want to be dealing with is multiple forms to go pretty much to the same place It's just kind of spreading out. So I love the fact that it's progressive, that it, you know, I enter my information and it just continues passing it along to everyone else. Is there something within the system that allows for tracking that, say, I'm a father and I entered my information and all these services pop up? Um, is there a way for you guys to know, am I taking advantage of these services?
1: It's so critical that we honor data privacy and protection. And and that's not just a philosophical value. That's a legal requirement. These are programs that are um, required to comply with HIPAA, which I'm sure your Mm -hmm. listeners are very familiar with, with FERPA, which is sort of like HIPAA, but in the education field. Um, You know, we have to make sure that we are both protecting the data of individual users of this portal and at the same time that we're making best use of the opportunity to reach out to and work closely with families who may want us to follow up with them or may need a little bit more hand-holding. So I want to share with you sort of at different stages Hmm. in that process how it works. So at the eligibility phase, and that's really easy, right? Like three minutes, five minutes max that you're putting in that information, you, the user, are going to agree to um, allow us to, to save certain information. What we're not going to do, we are not going to save any information. We're not going to capture or store any information that is HIPAA or FERPA, uh, that would require HIPAA or FERPA compliance, okay? So what that means is we're not storing information about your child's name, your child's age, your child's birthday, because that's that's protected information. What we are going to store is your name, your contact information, and we're going to store what programs you may be eligible for. The reason we do that is that so each of these entities, these agencies can reach out to you and say, we see that you're eligible for a food and nutrition program, but we notice that you may not have completed an application. And then you can say, you know, well, I didn't, I didn't have my uh, ID to upload and, and we can walk you through how to upload that into document storage vault that's also available on the site. Um, So we can provide that additional outreach and support. Once we go to the next screen, which is where the application is, then there's a higher level of buy-in that you, the user, are committing to, right? Because now you're actually completing an application as you would on any of these already existing uh, separate, now one, but separate government portals. So at that point, there is that higher level of privacy protection. We are very... um, careful in that we have a, um, a server and a, and a commitment within South Carolina government to have a very high standard for data privacy and privacy protection. And so rather than building this on an external platform, we actually custom built this. So all of this data lives within South Carolina government. And then it goes seamlessly into and is owned by each of those separate entities that, as I already mentioned, already has to be compliant. Mm -hmm. So rather than it being centralized and stored in a way that um, would create some regulatory challenges, we overcame a lot of regulatory barriers by immediately pushing that data out to the end home users, the public health agency, or the social service agency, the child care agency, the parenting agency. Does that make sense?
0: Makes perfect sense. Fantastic. I, I absolutely love this walkthrough. And and of course, you said the magic word, data. We're always big fans of data here at Weedy. Uh, speaking with Georgia Mjartan with South Carolina First Step, um, wanted to talk about um, any challenges you've had so far uh, as it pertains to the data. Um, any any uh, sticking points, any issues, lessons learned, Um, Also, second question, how has adoption been in the state of South Carolina?
1: We built this portal on the premise that we were going to meet families exactly where they were. What we didn't know was that we were also going to meet our providers where they were. And so let me tell you what I mean by that. When we started getting into it and saying, all right, you know, we want to take everyone's, uh, you know, online applications and their their eligibility screening tools, we want to take that and, you know, build out an API into, from this uh, common application into their online application. Well, what we realized once we got into the exploration and build out process, again, with 44 different programs, each of which has different eligibility, a different application was and in some cases, that agency or that provider was ready. They had an online application. All we needed to do was, was to make that um, technological bridge, that API, if you will, into it. And we could, could port the data over. In other cases, we had agencies that were still using paper applications. Wow. Where the process for the family was that they had to literally go to the agency wait in a government waiting room, you know get a paper application their little children are sitting there with them they have to fill it out they have to hand over copies they have to go to you know go to a, a pop-up shop to you know scan their scan their uh, information and in. you know most of our families don't have scanners at home um, they couldn't necessarily take a photo of the ID. Um, so there were a lot of challenges that families were encountering and so when we were building this out, a challenge that we maybe hadn't fully anticipated when we first went into this initiative was that we were going to need to create a solution that didn't require everyone to be at the same level of technological um, Mm -hmm. innovation as this portal was going to be. So the way we did that is we said, you know, if you are ready for an API bridge, we can build an API bridge. If you um, only have capacity to process paper applications, we can um, have it to be much easier for the family, but on your end, we can send you a secure PDF file, so you're used to getting it in this way, we can deliver it to you in this way. Um, you know, if you the agency need to have an in-person interface where you're doing some paperwork and then maybe that parent has to show up and, and the child has to the parent goes through a nutrition education uh, consult, for example, with the nutrition program or the child has to have a, a lead, a lead test, a blood test. Um, and that's a part of the eligibility screener. Then we would say, well, let's go ahead and take care of the paperwork part mm-hmm. using first five and then give them a prompt to still come in and at least they've gotten the first step in the process completed. So really meeting both the parents where they were at 11 o'clock at night at home, you know, this is a, this is a tool that they can use on their own time. Uh, you know, It doesn't require a case manager or assistant a system navigator. Any person can use it. It's in uh, it, it is uh, language accessible. It is disability accessible. So really that priority of meeting families where they are but also meeting our providers and our agencies where they were.
0: Outstanding, and how has adoption been in South Carolina?
1: So in the first year after we launched the eligibility screener, we had over 100,000 unique visitors to the portal. That's in the universe of 360,000 children zero to five. So to have 100,000 unique visitors and from all over the state, is really phenomenal. Additionally, we have that eligibility screener. We have a lot of other resources that I didn't mention, parent knowledge building, resources, tools, tips, connections to community-based organizations who can help families, but the really key sort of gem of this portal is that eligibility screener and geolocator, and we saw that of the families who completed that eligibility screener, And 10% of the visitors to the site actually took that action, which is unheard of. Mm -hmm. Of those who completed that eligibility screener, 79% successfully found that they were eligible for at least one program. So 79% of families who may not have known that these programs were available to them. And we're seeing great early returns on the success of the common application. It's it's really newly live, so the common application only went live in May of this year. Uh, With a lot of fanfare and support, I will say um, it's been really exciting to see the the initial success of that um, and to really see how, not only how it's being used, but who is using it. Um, The number one sort of age demographic of our users, of the children who are being uh, entered into the application, are children who are under the age of one. Mm. And think about that scenario you gave Michael, right? Like you're a new dad. Well, that is who's showing up. That new father, that new mother, that grandparent who, you know, is the primary caretaker for their grandchild and wants to do right by their young child. And they just don't even know where to begin. And so that's really who's showing up. At Outstanding. first
0: Outstanding. Fantastic stuff. Um, as young children are often taught, sharing is caring. And I see that, you know, you're taking the show on the road, if you will, um, uh, reaching out to other states to share your work and design. Um, have there been any takers, uh, any early success stories from other states?
1: There's been a lot of interest that I, I do want to say has partly been fueled by a federal commitment to see more collaboration and more investment in making the application and eligibility process streamlined. So the federal government issued a preschool development grant birth through five uh, fund source. And those were the dollars that we used in South Carolina to build this out. It's now gonna be continued with state dollars, but many states have that same fund source or are looking to their own state legislature to allocate state dollars to, to replicate first five SC in their own state. We received a a really generous grant uh, from from private philanthropy, um, the Pritzker Children's Initiative, who has allowed us to take this Uh, our learnings out into the community and to other states. We have about a dozen states who have already reached out to us, who we've had, um, you know, demos with, who we're providing consultation to, and we have built a toolkit for states and large municipalities who might want to look to building their own uh, system Uh, transformational model of coordinated eligibility and enrollment. So uh, resources are available. Like I said, this toolkit is now available. Our team is available to provide that consultation and technical assistance. We're not going to build it for you. We're not developers. We did contract with a partner to do that key role, um, but we'd be happy to advise.
0: Awesome. Congratulations on all this great work. Um, What does the future hold? What do you like to see? I mean, you know, this is a baby, this is the child, you know, the site. So we want to see it grow, we want to see it succeed. Where do you see this going in the next you know, couple of years for our first five SC?
1: For the children and families of South Carolina, collectively, our early childhood system said, we want families, when they have that young child, we want them to say, I am so proud to be in South Carolina, because this is a state that's committed to seeing my child thrive. And and I think First Five has a key role to play in that. So my vision, I think our collective vision is really to make sure that every child in South Carolina who's birth to age five gets access to the needed supports and resources to ensure that they're having a thriving, happy, healthy, um, and successful first five years of life. And we know that First Five SC can help them to get access to those resources. So we look forward to to ramped up uptake. Um, We've had a a fantastic, phenomenal um, start. It, It is something we look forward to continuing. Nationally, I will say we believe strongly that children across the whole United States, not just those in South Carolina, also deserve a seamless port of entry into their early childhood state system. And so that's why we're sharing this out across the country I look forward to the day when when children in uh, in Texas and New Mexico, in my home state of Arkansas, up in Connecticut, and and over to uh, to Utah, when no matter where they are, that they have access to a first five type resource in their own state.
0: Yep, here's to that. Hope so. I hope I hope to follow up with you in a in a little while to see not only what First 5 SC is doing, but also to hear about uh, First 5 VA, First 5 MT, First 5 LA, CA, all the states, all, all 50. It'd be fantastic. Uh, Georgia, please, before um, we leave today, uh, any resources, anything you'd like to mention to our audience?
1: I hope the audience will check out first5sc.org. It is open, so it's, it doesn't require a login. Um, there's even a little section on, on it where we'll give you a South Carolina address to use if you wanna try it out. We hope that you'll give it a, give it a try. Um, on earlychildhoodsc.org, we have some resources, a toolkit that you can download, and we can uh, get that to you, Michael, to drop in the in the link.
0: That'd be excellent. Thank you so much. Once again, Georgia Miartin, Executive Director of South Carolina First Steps. Thank you for being a fantastic guest and sharing all this wonderful information about what you're doing down there in South Carolina.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast, where the healthcare IT community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find all our episodes as well as information on our association at our website, wedi.org. Thank you for joining us, and be safe. Thank you.